1: dipsystories.com slash just break up. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com.
0: Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't wanna hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder,
1: And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're gonna tackle topics like long-term hookups, the joys of falling in love quickly, and when what you want feels unimportant. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed therapists in any stretch of the imagination.
0: No, we're not. Um, We are just two English major or ex-English major. I mean, have you used your major?
1: Yeah, I mean, I use it every day because I speak English, so...
0: Well, yes, but, like, that's not what you, you didn't major in speaking English.
1: (laughs) Basically, that's what I did.
0: No, no, no. You majored in, like, making, like, a a comparison between Beowulf and, like, I don't know, Shakespeare's daddy issues or whatever. Yeah,
1: which honestly serves me really well in, like, most things because, like, really, I just have excellent critical thinking skills.
0: Also, I know Beowulf was not written by Shakespeare. (laughs) I just want to say that for, like, everybody out there. Uh. (laughs) anyway sam and i are not professionals we are not trained in this we have no qualifications whatsoever that would give us the audacity to give you our advice so please take it as you see fit we are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but fucking mostly confusing experience that is love all right samuel Mm -hmm. we have a really adorable check-in question or check-in topic to cover, who uh, brought to us by M.G., a letter writer from Massachusetts, who basically wants to know what our thoughts are on obsession. Mm-hmm. Like, this person writes in and they they say that they're stuck in a pattern where they fixate on someone to the point that every interaction with them, however small, can make or break their whole day. Mm. Um, and I think it's like, you know, there's, like, different steps to this, and now I'm, I'm freestyling off the letter, but it's, like, um, you know, a crush is one thing, but obsession is when you're, like, oh, my God, this person is so cool. It's almost like you're idealizing them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it doesn't allow the letter writer, and I'm sure lots of people out there, to have, like, a good outlook on crushes, you know, or maybe, like, a clear-headedness about it. <laughs> and yeah. how do you, like... <laughs> how do you maneuver, um, having this like obsessive feeling, you know, um, how I equate it to my own life is like the crushes that I've had in the past that made me feel such an extreme high when, when I like was with them and they, and I made them happy Mm -hmm. and like so undeserving and uncool and like can never, I don't know, live up to the, to how cool they are right mm-hmm. um because i because I'm so obsessed with them, honestly, you know who I used to be obsessed with me, yes, but also <laughs> my other just break up best friend is spencer i used to th- I used to think, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i Spencer is so cool to me. Like, I just think he's such a cool dude. He is a cool that dude. When I first met him, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe he wants to be my friend. And I was like a little intimidated by his coolness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a while to like relax into my authentic self around him. Yeah. You know, sorry, Spencer. I mean, like, I'm not <laughs> sorry. Cause we're friends now and I'm, and I am still obsessed with you, but <laughs> maybe that's the bad example. Um, how would you summarize the idea or your your understanding of obsession versus the letter writers?
1: Um I actually really appreciated the letter writers like the last paragraph that she writes where she's like I inter- I agonize over every interaction a positive interaction feels like such a rush and every less than positive interaction feels like a punch in mm. the gut. I try to distract myself, but with so little getting on, it feels impossible. My obsessive thoughts make me feel gross and unlovable and out of control, which Hmm. like I can 100 percent relate to those feelings of like, yeah, when you have a crush on someone or when you really like someone and and you are like your day is defined by when you get to like make contact with them and then yes, if they like don't respond or if they don't Say your joke was funny or they like don't get it, then suddenly it's like, oh my God, I have done horribly. As if like our only our only duty in life is to like make our crushes like us. And if they don't, then like suddenly we're not funny anymore.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm gonna need to like very swiftly take back the thing I said about Spencer because (laughs) (laughs) because I never felt that way around him. I just more thought, I I think. My idea of how cool he was made it hard for me to be my authentic self because Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, I want to be his friend. Um, So it's not it's it is like a a distant, distant cousin of what our letter writer is talking about. Mm -hmm. But I have experienced this, especially with some early on, very big like crushes of my life. You yep. remember who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, where I just I know, where I just felt like I couldn't be myself s- and and myself was never good enough if I could be. Mm-hmm. Like I think of myself as like a charismatic funny person and I'd be around this dude and I would be like, oh you know, like I I saw this yeah and this movie, <laughs> you know? And then uh, I just and he'd be like so cool and chill about it. He'd be mm-hmm. like yeah okay whatever Sierra and I'm like oh my god I'm such a loser (laughs) Uh, I think I I think I I had a crush on that person for so long because I just wanted to fulfill it I wanted to like live up to it I wanted to prove to myself and to him that I was cool and worthy of love so I held on to the crush way longer than his actual personality deserved (laughs) I mean not that he was a shitty person but that like i i didn't like him that much as 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 much as i wanted to feel in control of myself Mm -hmm. which i definitely think the letter writer would um agree
1: with yeah i think it's like when we talk about in relationships we just like keep trying to make a relationship work because we've already invested so much time into it and if we put that much time into it then like then it would be worthless and time Mm -hmm. wasted i think that's also true of crushes sometimes too where you like you have a crush on someone for so long that you like, we just need to make this happen because if not, then I spent the last two years being completely obsessed with you for no reason.
0: Right. And I want, maybe we can like break down the word obsession because this is is such a particular crush that makes you feel those such high highs and low lows. And I, I'm hesitant to use that phrase because I socially, I associate those sort of like, romantic mood swings with like really abusive or red flaggy relationships. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that. Although this dude from my past definitely did love to like play with my emotions. And I think that was a part of the high, high and low, low Um, or like the trying to fulfill proved him that I was like good enough for him. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that's like a common thread with these obsessive crushes. Do you?
1: I think sometimes, I mean, I'm trying yeah. to think of the like crushes that I was most obsessed with. And let me tell you, they definitely got off on my obsession with them.
0: Maybe that's... I mean, well, would you dare... I mean, nothing Sam and I says ever is like universally true.
1: No, there is <laughs> Literally so no such never, thing as never. like universal truth.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but but would you go as far to, as far to say like you think that it's a common thread that they... That they, that these people that we're obsessed with, um, kind of use our obsession against us, or like, how would they know all the time? I just don't want to say that if I,
1: no, I think that like mm-hmm. my obsession was my own, and I think mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. some people have used that obsession against me, but I also think that some people have been like super upfront, oblivious, or like, yeah been like hey i'm not into you or like hey let's go on a date and see how it goes and then i've been able to like see them for an actual person and not just an obsession and been like oh you're cool for me or like oh this isn't this isn't yeah. really it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, and i think that leads me to my first piece of advice for anyone with like an obsession level crush um is that you have to find a way to disempower um, that crush. And, and by that, I mean, it's not something that you need to fulfill in order to be lovable. And I don't want to like, just say the easy hallmark, like, well, you're enough on your own and you are lovable and all those things, which you are, (laughs) but we know that that's not necessarily going to comfort you in the moments of, of, of feeling really insecure, but more like maybe you can, we, when we have these obsessive crushes, we can stop our, we can acknowledge that we're kind of having these erratic thoughts, mm-hmm. right. That, that we feel like a yo-yo that like we're getting pulled back and forth by the positive and negatives and recognize that maybe that's not very ha- healthy for us. And that, there's, that it's not like anything that we need to change or prove to stop it. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, like that it's not a something that needs to be solved. I think that Mm. in my time of great obsession, I was, I was almost addicted to the angst of it Mm -hmm. of like, I just, when is this going to happen? When is this Ross and Rachel fucking dance going (laughs) to end? But if somebody had said to me like, it doesn't need to end because that's not its purpose, mm-hmm. you know, that you're not on like some quest to prove your love, your, your lovability, but instead you have a right, like you're an agent in your life and you can say, I don't want a relationship that makes me feel this uh, polarized mm-hmm. or, or I, I want this relationship, but I want to feel good about myself and I'm going to make changes in this. I'm, I'm going to demand a level of respect or treatment in it you know Mm -hmm. not that not that the letter writer or anyone out there like thinks of their obsession crushes as like conquests, but it's like it it takes a control of you in a way that makes you feel as though it has to be fulfilled or else you're stuck with those terrible feelings
1: yeah because the terrible feeling is like constant highs and lows right and like Yeah. And I think that we get this idea that the thing that's going to solve it is by this fruition where this person, mm -hmm. right. But like, that's not, that's not true. And we know that not just, and we know that in relationships too, right. That like uh, the the highs and lows don't get solved or like the thing that's causing us pain is not going to be solved by the thing that's causing us pain, right. It comes from like our own understanding of ourselves and taking a step back and asking ourselves the right questions to and comforting the child inside of us that is looking Mm -hmm. for that validation. Um, Understandably. Right. No, no tea, no shade, no judgment there. Cause Mm -hmm. that's like just the reality of how we move through the world. Um, Right. I think that like what happened for me was like, as I got older, I just realized that like no one is as cool as I think they are. And, and also that I am much cooler than I think that I am.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was actually just thinking like, (laughs) we could wrap this up really well by telling ourselves what we should have been told or told told ourselves back then. And that's a huge one for me. And I don't mean this in a disparaging way. Like I've I've been thinking a lot about how you and I try to walk the dance between the dance of like shitting on our exes and acknowledging that they're people, Mm -hmm. you know, or like shitting on everybody's, all the listeners, exes, but acknowledging that they're people and on a journey and, and worthy and whatever. And so I don't want to like shit on this guy in that way, but he was in no way as I, you know, he was on such a pedestal that like I would have shined his shit if he asked me to, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I just <laughs> thought he was, I thought he was so fucking cool. Bro, so um, I, still, I
1: still have it in my head. It's not going anywhere. You would shine his shit. T- <laughs> 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 I'm just like, I'm picturing you with like a little rag. And like his little piece of poop and you're just shining it. But here's the thing, it doesn't get any shinier because it's poop, so
0: Yeah, yeah, because everybody shits. Their pants. Oh my god, do you want to hear some weird crazy shit trivia? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like a man, I don't I've read this on like a history like instagram that i follow because i am a history nerd um there's this crazy explorer man no idea the time or his name because i don't remember any important details <laughs> cool, and you read
1: this you read this on the internet
0: <laughs> yeah 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 um uh and he was trapped in a cave um he was like in like 1910 or something because he went on to work in movies um no so like 1920 i don't know And he got trapped in a cave like uh, because of an avalanche. Mm -hmm. And so he was like stuck in like a snow cave and he ended up chiseling his way out with a frozen piece of his own feces that he (laughs) that he like carved into a chisel. Mm -hmm. So kids at home, if you're ever (laughs) stuck in a, a very cold situation, freeze your own shit. And use it as a weapon. This is
1: the advice <laughs> that people are here for. They're like relationships. Literally.
0: Unimportant. I thought it was so... <laughs> I, I thought it was so interesting and so hilarious that I... I needed to tell you. I just needed to. So, anyway. <laughs> um, so, yes. Okay. So, I... He was not... I think back then, though, here's here's why I brought up, like, how hard the dance that we have to do, like shitting on our exes. (laughs) Get it. Um, (laughs) But also, like, acknowledging that they're like whole wonderful people, too, is that I don't know how I would have become like disillusioned with him um, at the time. Like, I don't know what would have helped me other than time and experience Mm. in that moment. Other than maybe like a podcast like ours or like a friend like you being like, he doesn't treat you well. And that isn't a worthy love, mm-hmm. you know, like other than someone saying it really directly to me that like a high, high and a low, low does not equal a sustainable relationship. And why do you want to be with someone that doesn't make you feel good? What do you have to prove to yourself or to them, you know, because they're never going to hear you. It's, it's, it is an un like for, You can't finish that equation. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to reciprocate it. Even if they were like, oh, yeah, you're cool. Let's be together. Then then what? You're just going to like move around for the rest of your life being like, oh, God, thank God I'm cool enough Mm -hmm. to be loved. And what if, oh, my God, what if I slip up and I'm not as cool anymore and you'll be walking on these eggshells, you know.
1: Or you will get like end up dating them and look back and be like, wow, I put a lot more effort into like into this obsession than is deserved. Because like this person and. I think the issue with obsession is like, I, when I said like, no one is as cool as I think they are, it, I don't mean that as like a mean thing. I mean that as a thing of right. like good, because like, then I, right. get to, then I can see them as full humans and not just this like idea that I've created for them in my head. Oh. Right. And that, yeah. that makes me feel better. I'm sure it makes them feel better. Cause like, I don't know if this has happened to you, but like when people think you're like super cool it's like not actually that fun (laughs) or like when people are like obsessed with you or people are like oh my god sorry spencer you're awesome like oh my god i can't it's just like yeah but then i feel like i can't i can't yeah i can't be with you as myself because you've like created this persona for me that doesn't fit with who i am and i'm uncomfortable with that
0: (laughs) totally going to the idea of like it's not it's not a bad thing that people aren't as cool as you think they are. Like that's not shitting on them or you going back to that idea. Like I was like driving down the road the other day and I saw this very beautiful woman, like just, just a like universally attractive. And I was like, Oh my God. And I, and, and she was younger. She was like, maybe, I don't know, late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. And it, I immediately was like triggered for the first time to go back to, like a mental um, way of self-harming that I used to do in high school, which was that I would see beautiful girls like of my own age and immediately not hate them, but hate myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Feel really insecure that like that here was a traditionally beautiful person. And I felt whatever way about myself and like um, how, they were a threat to me, but not, not a threat as in like, I hated them, but that, I don't know that they, that they had something that I wanted. And I hadn't felt that way in, in like a decade, you know, I hadn't felt like this, this superiority inferiorness Mm -hmm. or whatever. And it, it, why I thought of it in this conversation is how much you over time through life, you shed the understanding of what does it mean to be cool or graceful or beautiful or, or like, or, or lit- literally like blessed, you know, like what does that, <laughs> what does that mean when you, when you're in your your thirties and you know that everybody fucking shits their pants mm-hmm. and everybody fails at relationships and no one you know, looks good in the morning after they've had 50 drinks. And, you know, well, that person 50, is dead. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like
1: 50 orange so- sodas.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was a wild night. <laughs> um, I was stuck in a cave. Yeah. Um,
1: I had to chisel I- my way out with my poop.
0: <laughs> I had to wait for it to freeze first. But then
1: <laughs> I don't understand. Was he also freezing? Like, what did he have? Protective equipment on? Okay.
0: I mean, he was like, he was like snow traveling.
1: (laughs) Snow Snow traveling? Was he?
0: (laughs) He was like hiking in snow, right? So he had like, and he had to like preserve his body heat. But he he got the idea from oh, my God, I was like on a different tangent. (laughs) Hold on. Let me go back to the 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 actual helpful thing I was saying was I feel so fucking lucky to be free of the expectation of being perfect or cool all the time, Mm -hmm. because I now can walk around the world with the great understanding that all of us just aren't as cool (laughs) as we think we are. And that the expectation to be perfect, to be beautiful, to be cool is an expectation that will weigh you into your grave. If you let it Mm -hmm. bringing it to obsessions, like that person is a human and that relationship has the power that we give it, you know? Mm. Um,
1: that's very true.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. I, and I I think about like that really, like, you know, my obsessive crush, like I gave I gave not even him because again not to make him a villain but I gave that relationship all the power that it needed to fester in my heart for years as this unfulfilled thing that I just wasn't good enough to fulfill. Yeah. Instead of him and I, not being compatible, not being meant for each other, not being able to sustain anything, not being ma- mature or or old enough or whatever to, like, actually want to be together, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What would you tell your little obsessed self?
1: Oh, I would just tell myself. <laughs> I would tell him mm. that you're. I'm
0: really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That, that person is not as cool as you think that you, they are. And you are much cooler than you think that you are.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Because then that's. It was learning that has been such a freeing thing because you like can then walk into the world into different rooms and be like, yep, I deserve to be here. You all are making it up as you go along as well. Uh, Cool. Nice to meet you. Totally. Let's figure this out together rather than being like, oh, my God, I don't deserve to be here. or Oh, my God, this person is so much cooler than me and they'll never give me the time of day. They don't give you the time of day, then, like, why do you want to be with them? Fuck them.
0: Right? Yeah, fuck them. No. Yeah, totally. Um, Cool. Well, that was a good conversation about obsession and frozen shit. <laughs> let's get into our letters.
1: <laughs> All right, let's do it. So this first letter comes from Stella Meyer, who is writing from NYC, baby. Baby. I'm going to keep this background story short because it is a long one, but here we go. You might want to buckle up. This one's a journey. This, this letter is like one of the shortest letters that we've picked in months. <laughs> and yeah. I, I just love that. She's like, Hey, this is real long. You all do that all the time. And then we get to ones that are I like four it. pages, single paste. And I'm like, no, that's a long letter.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. When I was a senior in high school, I met a boy. Let's call him Noah In art class. We started dating. I took his virginity. We made out in the kiln room and ceramics class, et cetera, et cetera. I broke up with him a few weeks in after he told me he loved me and I freaked the fuck out. I immediately regretted it and talked to him the next day. Fast forward six years this month, happy anniversary question mark, question mark, question mark. And we have been consistently hooking up ever since we went to the same university. So we hooked up during that time when we weren't seeing other people, we continued to hook up with others, but only stopped talking for periods when we were actually committed to someone else. He all, we always came back together. I moved to France post-grad, and we Snapchatted every single day the entire year I was there. I came back home, and he was suddenly in a relationship, which hurt me more than I expected. Then they broke up, and we hooked up again. Then I moved to New York, and when I come home for breaks, we still hook up. I deeply care about him, and I think he cares about me, too. But is it too late to do something? I don't want to mess up a convenient hometown hookup I have if we talk about it and he decides he doesn't want anything more, but also he might move to NYC, in which case we should talk about it, right? At age 24, six years after starting to see each other, I feel this internal push and external at my opinionated friends to solidify (laughs) WTF this, quote, relationship is. Thoughts? Yes,
0: I have thoughts. Oh, do you? (laughs) I do. I do. But they're not as like pronounced as I want them to be. Sam's like TLDR at the top of this letter when he sent me to review the letters was, we've been hooking up for six years. Do we need to DTR, like determine the relationship? <laughs> and I thought the letter was going to be like way more salacious, you know, and dramatic than it is. Um so I, I I wish I could be like, oh my God, yeah, you need to DTR. You need to figure the fuck out. You know, like this guy is walking all over your boundaries or what, you know, like I want it to be like so much more dramatic. Yeah. But in reality, Stella, like you're right. This sounds like a very fine, mutually beneficial friendship in which you guys have sex. <laughs> and I think Sam and I... Wanted to answer this letter and take the opportunity to remind everyone that not all relationships, and I'll I'll air a quote during that relationships, mm-hmm. have to result in a capital R relationship. That um, we're very much trained by society and our culture that a monogamous long-term relationship is the only way to be successful. And if you don't have a romantic relationship in your life, you are unsuccessful and unfulfilled and unlovable. Um, But there are so many different ways to be a human in relationship with another human. And other than being like, I care about him and I was jealous of his girlfriend. (laughs) You didn't, (laughs) You didn't take any time, Stella, to explain why you want to be with him, mm-hmm. which makes me question your desire, as you maybe are, right? Mm-hmm. That, like, maybe you'd like it exactly as it is. And then, if that's the case, Sam and I want to say, like, cool, Godspeed, do whatever. Like, it sounds like you are two consenting adults that are consenting to have this friends with benefits ongoing relationship. Just because you've been doing it for six years doesn't change anything to me.
1: For sure. And it sounds like there's not like there's not a lot of boundary crossing that's happening, right? It's that you hook up when you're not in mm-hmm. long-term relationships with other people um and then it ends when you are in relationships with other people and I don't I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Like I think that that's a perfectly wonderful um healthy possibly relationship to have with someone of like Mm. yeah we just like we are friends who are really good at having sex with each other and so when we (laughs) don't have other people to have sex with or we are not in relationships then we like choose to to be each other's hookup Um, right and I think that that it's totally fine. It also is reminding me of that episode of Sex and the City when uh, Carrie tries to date her friends with benefits, like the one that she always goes back to when she breaks up with someone. And it goes mm-hmm. really horribly because they have absolutely nothing in comics or for the fact mm-hmm. that they like to have sex with each other. Uh, so that could also yeah. happen, too, just as an FYI.
0: <laughs> and Sam and I are not omniscient. Like, we don't know what's going on in your in your relationship and your brain like maybe you have a dozen reasons why you're like wow I think maybe I'm developing feelings for this person yep but I'm I'm gonna go with my instincts and be like you you would you would have explained that to us Mm -hmm. if if it was more than just that internal push of like should we be dating by now and and why I'm pushing back on that is because I think that internal push is an external push from like society being like it's not healthy to have a six-year friends with benefits relationship. I totally disagree. And I would also add, like, you haven't been with this dude for six years. Like, you've been out, like, exploring your life, exploring different partnerships, um, you know, exploring the world and yourself. And he's just, like, a friend that you have been returning to and having a physical relationship with. And that in itself is okay.
1: For sure. And, like... And take Go out ahead. the physical part of it, take out the sex and people wouldn't be like, oh my God, I can't believe that you had this six year relationship with this friend, like
0: from high school,
1: right? No, <laughs> that's a normal thing to have. Well, and no, just no, no. like
0: me, I'd be like, oh my God, you're still friends <laughs> with your, you know, like
1: <laughs>
0: I'm still friends with people from high school, but only very few. And, and that's no shitting on my high school friends. Like it's just time and space changes things. You For know? sure.
1: I also have Um, friends from high school, but it's also like, I get, I have fewer and fewer friends from high school every single year.
0: It's hard. It's, it, it, life happens. Um, yeah. So I I would say like, okay, so if you, after hearing this response and you're like, you know, I still feel like this urge to see what would go on. Mm -hmm. You just have to, you have to decide, um, well, one, you have to really sit with those feelings and be like, do I want to be with this person or do I feel the need to determine the relationship because of all of these pressures? Right. Right. Or am I like, no, I want to be with this person because if you don't want to be with this person, now is the time in your life to be single, right? Like, well, there's no right or wrong time to be single, but you know, you're 24, you're in New York, like have fun, you know? Um but so if you decide you're like no this feels good I want to explore it I would say you have to go into that one honestly you'd have to tell him mm-hmm. because right now you two are in a consenting friends with benefits thing yep s- situationship whatever and if you went into you know if you change your mind and you're like I have feelings for him and I'm going to move forward as though we could maybe be together without telling him. That's moving him into a, a type of relationship that he's not consenting to, right? Mm-hmm. I really loved... You said that a couple... Like a month ago, Sam, in, in an episode about cheating, like that if you move... You know you're not. You wouldn't be cheating on this person, Stella, by not telling them. But like, if you change the dynamic of the relationship without telling the non-informed partner, mm-hmm. then you're change. Then they're entering something that they haven't actually consented to, mm-hmm. and all of that is to say, Stella. Um, I would say have an open and honest conversation with him. But no, regardless of the outcome of that conversation, your relationship will change. You will either keep. Going on going the way things are going, but now you're going to maybe see if you can date or make or or it's going to stop for sure. Probably.
1: Yeah. And I think um I think either change of those, is good. Right. Either of those outcomes is not a bad outcome. Right. And I think mm-hmm. um I think that this idea of like, well, I don't want to lose this this hometown hookup that I have. um. Losing your hometown hookup is not going to be the end of the world. So if this is something where you are, like, ready and really want to move forward with a relationship, um, right. then, like, I would say put, it, put yourself out there. I don't think that six years of this is, like, too long of a time, right? I mean, we've all been in weirder situations where, like, suddenly you're dating a person that you broke up with 13 years ago. So, like, obviously this <laughs> is... <laughs>
0: I did not see that dig coming. I was like I was like you know walking down the wonderful sunlit path of recording right. my podcast uh-huh. with my best friend and then you fucking tripped me. It's like that's what that felt like.
1: <laughs> so what I'm saying is like I think so here's the like TLDR of our advice to you. One, right. there's no rules. Like you don't have to conform to anyone's idea of Nobody's what a relationship. cool is. <laughs> and there are no rules. Nobody should be like you like people will say that this either has to be a relationship or it doesn't. But like, that's not true. It can be exactly right. what you want it to be, which seems like this is what it is. But so like ridding yourself of that, those expectations from society, look internally and say like, is this is this a person that I really want to be with? Is this someone that I'm willing to put time and effort into in order to embark on a relationship with them? Is it that important to me that that I that they are monogamous with me, that we are moving forward and we're changing the dynamic of our current relationship. Right. And if it is, go for it. Like there's no rules right. about how long you have to wait. There's no rules about friends with benefits turning into real relationships happens all the time. Right. Totally. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and you will move forward and you will have had a great long-term hookup. You will have shout sh- shoot, shoot your shot. You will have shot your <laughs> shot. <laughs>
0: Sam hunting (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen And those who do not subscribe to this That's right or like
1: basketball I don't know Peter is making me watch That uh, ESPN thing about The 97 Bulls uh, Yeah, Which I expressed interest in at one point And then he turned it on and I was like oh this is just all About basketball okay I don't know that I'm actually Interested but it's 10 episodes long And it's an hour and I don't have the heart to tell him that I don't Want to watch it anymore
0: (laughs) Oh my god nobody tell him He doesn't listen to the podcast (laughs) (sighs)
1: anyway so like you will have shot your shot and it'll go well or it won't go well but like life life will go on and this person Mm -hmm. will have been a great person in your life and maybe will continue to be a great person in your life but like it's better to take the risk than to live in fear of regret right so if you want to be with this person go for it don't let anyone tell you that you don't know that you have waited too long or that it's not going to work And don't let anyone else tell you that you need to define the relationship if you don't want to. Like, if this is working for you and it's working for him, go for it. Who cares? Yeah.
0: The theme of this uh, episode is um, romantic anarchy. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Nothing matters. There's no rules. No one's cool and freeze your shit. (laughs) Perfect.
1: Perfect. All right. I'll read, do we even need to read the next two letters? I don't think so. No,
0: literally, that answers <laughs> all questions imaginable. Uh? Oh my God. All right. Um, Stella, we love you. Thank you so much for writing.
1: We love we hope you. hope this
0: helps. love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag and I love it because <laughs> love it. <laughs> honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it.
1: Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q u slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365 five-day returns quince.com slash just break up
0: all right head and hard workers you know i'm all about tackling our money shame
1: Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do.
0: Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. The next episode is from Claire Oh, sorry. Clara Anon, who is writing from Queens, New York. Dear Sam and Sierra, first of all, love you both and want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for speaking healing words to my soul on a weekly basis. Y'all are the best. I'm a gay lady who is falling for a beautiful angel. We'll call her Jess. We matched on Bumble and immediately I knew that she was someone I wanted to pursue. We shared so many common interests. Before I say more, I know that a stable relationship can't be built off of our mutual love for Harry Potter and astrology, but it makes the first couple of conversations a lot easier. And I've been at this dating game for a really long time after going from toxic beast to toxic beast. One thing led to another, and we set up a FaceTime date per the quarantine. We've been talking every day since. She makes me so happy every time I get to see her sweet face on FaceTime. Our conversations have been electric. We keep on finding things we have in common, and it zaps me in the tummy and makes me smile the big smiles. I met her mom and brothers on FaceTime. She has the cutest cats at ever and plays the ukulele. She's also a bit older than me, something I like. She's financially stable and has a big girl job. On the surface, it's so perfect for me, it's gross. I haven't seen her in person yet because of the quarantine. I will next Saturday for the first time just to make sure she doesn't smell like poop or anything. Oh my God, poop is such a common theme. (laughs) If she does smell like poop,
1: you can freeze her and use her as a tool to (laughs) chisel yourself out of a nice cave.
0: That was... (laughs) Okay, that's dark, Dexter. Um, Okay. Honestly, even if she had eight nipples, I think I could still make it work. I made a comment to a friend about how I'm waiting to see her in real life before I think about the L word, love, not lesbian, hee hee. My friend kind of made a face and said, Damn, you are really U-hauling it, pal. You think that the L word is even appropriate to bring up in a conversation with her right now? And I immediately denied it out of insecurity, but it got me thinking, what is love? Haha, <laughs> JK, too deep. I guess the better question is, why do people turn their noses up at the idea of saying I, lovely, I love you too quickly when none of us have ever really figured it out to begin with? Also, a part of me feels like the whole you hauling stereotype, while particularly hilarious in its truth, creates a narrative that queer women should be shamed for falling in love too fast. I mean, like, that hasn't happened to the straights? Watch a Nicholas Sparks movie. Like, bruh, it's not my fault that she's literally perfect. I keep on being told to pump the brakes by my friends because love shouldn't happen that fast. But who says that? Who is to say what love is and isn't? Does that not belong to us? Am I crazy? Like, a part of me cares and the other doesn't give a shit. She gives me butterflies and has the most beautiful smile I've ever seen. Would love to hear your thoughts, Clara. All right, Clara. Thank you so much for writing and for staying safe during quarantine. Um, yeah. Okay. So, just to clarify for anyone out there who doesn't know there uh, the thing that Clara referenced the U-Haul stereotype. Sam, do you wanna you wanna take that one away? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's this joke out there uh, <laughs> that goes, "What does a lesbian bring to the second date?"
0: No, no. It's 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 like the first date. <laughs>
1: No. Mm-mm. Is Mm-mm. it the Keep second going. date? Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: What does a lesbian bring uh, to the second date? A U-Haul. Yes. What does a gay man bring to the second date? What? What second date? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the U-Haul joke is... <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Um, the U-Haul joke is the idea that, like, um, queer women, as Clara said so kindly move really fast in relationships or fall in love really fast. And I'm really glad that um, we get to unpack this because I have always like, I don't know, similarly to the letter writer, like enjoyed the joke, but also felt like a, not a sensitivity to it. Um, But maybe.
1: I'm sorry. I can hear Opal's mouth.
0: (laughs) She's so codependent.
1: (laughs) Making licking noises. (laughs) So if anyone else hears it, that's what it is. Hi, Opal. She's oh, there, literally trying
0: to get closer and closer <laughs> to the microphone. Working at home, people. <laughs> she just needs so much. She, she's she been sleeping next to me this whole time. And then out of the blue, she crawls onto my lap, just like she needs to know that, like, I'm not going to leave the room. <laughs> Opal, oh, we have two more letters to get into. Like. Okay. Anyway, um, so what I was saying was, like, I feel like I love laughing at the joke. And I also love making the joke, but part of me feels like a sensitivity to it because I do, because I think it triggers shame mm-hmm. because it makes you second guess yourself or feel ashamed about something that you might feel good. I do love the joke though, because it has been wildly true in my life <laughs> and, and I have moved too fast in, in the past in, in queer relationships. So sure. um, it's Definitely, you know, a lot of jokes come from truth. So, mm-hmm.
1: but I definitely um, agree that like this theme that I didn't know we were going to have is also plain poop, <laughs> not frozen poop. <laughs> but like this idea of like there are no rules has been throughout mm-hmm. all of these letters, mm-hmm. right? And I think you're absolutely right, Clara, that that you know, it's not up to me to decide what love is for you, right? It's not up for your friend to decide when you should use the. L word and when you shouldn't, right? You get to make that decision. You get to come up with your own definition. You get to share that definition with the person that you really like or that you love. Right. And so I, you're absolutely right that this idea of like, oh, you shouldn't say this word until this date. And like all of those rules that we think that we have all mastered are just made up. Right. And, and you are the person who gets to decide what your relationship looks like with consent from your partner and you get to have your own definitions of what those words mean, right? You get to define what monogamy means. You get to define what cheating is. You get to define what love means, right? So you're absolutely right that your friends shouldn't be able to shame you into not expressing something that is true to you, right? So, But
0: we all know they can.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We all know they do.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I say that because our friends make those comments for a myriad of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, they are, might feel judgmental or jealous or like a more like ugly feeling, you know? They might feel concerned for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and want you to be making healthy choices for your heart so that your heart is as safe and healthy as possible, um... Yeah, or because they, I don't know, don't want you to be hurt, you know, in Mm -hmm. in any way. Um, Or they might even feel, like, insecure. Like, I I know sometimes, like, friends that I was close to, like, moving fast with their partners, like, I didn't want to lose them. You know, it's Mm like, are you sure you're making it—and that also comes from a place of insecurity. Um, But I do think what I want to talk on— in a, like, I'll get to maybe like the no rules sort of thing in a minute, but I do want to acknowledge that moving fast, no matter the gender of you and your significant other, is a thing, right? Like, that happens. And there is a reason why people warn against moving fast. Mm-hmm. There is. Like Sam said, there are no rules. There's no right or wrong thing. You know, like I've moved in really fast with a partner in the past. I've said, I love you very fast with a partner in the past. And none of these things have been like detrimental to my life or my livelihood or anything. Sure. But the reason why people tell us to not move so fast is so that we we don't get our heart tangled up in something that we can't untangle safely, right? Mm. And I do want to say lovingly to you, as a stranger, um, you have not kissed this person yet, um, <laughs> and you have not smelled them, like you said. You have not seen them, like Sam always likes to say, first thing in the morning with the filthy breath not that that would stop anyone from like loving them but that just makes it harder right I'll say this to Clara, like you are in a long distance relationship right now with this person who you hypothetically haven't met yet. Um, you're in a long distance relationship. And in long distance relationships, the first rule is that it's going to seem, even though the distance makes it difficult, it's going to make it seem easier to get along with that person because you're not going to see their everyday flaws. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's like everyday that you get to st- FaceTime them is like, Oh my God, so exciting. So lovely. Let's not talk about anything difficult or, mm-hmm. you know, you're <clears throat> let's, let's keep it all nice and exciting and romantic because we don't get the everyday life together. Um, which is very similar to the honeymoon period, which is what you're experiencing. You're experiencing like a, like a Molotov cocktail of <laughs> quarantine, part quarantine, part long, uh, unintentional long distance relationship and, and, And part honeymoon phase, like the beginnings of a relationship. So yes, this person that you've met on Bumble might seem perfect to you, but I assure you that she's not. Does that mean that she is not lovable? No, but I would say that it is okay to have great affection and infatuation for someone in your life Mm -hmm. and that those feelings can mature into love, right? I I'm not here to tell you what your love is and isn't, but I just want to pose these ideas to you as like perhaps like brain expanders or a different way of looking at it. Like that you may feel feelings of love for her. um, And if you guys stay together, there'll be months down the line where you're like, Oh dang, now I love her because you see her in a moment of stress where she's, um, freaking out about work or something and she does something kind to you or mm-hmm. you see her playing with uh, her sibling or you know what I mean? Like, I I think that you said this once, Sam, when we were talking about the difference between an like and love or infatuation and love or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Um, and you said that, what did you say? Something about like, like love being... An action,
1: or mm-hmm.
0: you know, that like you are yeah, not a, a feeling, in- it's an action, right? And you and it love in itself has many um children emotions, right? Or sibling emotions, um, infatuation, like, adoration, attraction, lust, you know, all of those feelings that we can feel really freely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I, I just want to like. You're right, Clara. I like the questions that you pose, like who decides what love uh, is and when can it happen? Like you no, and nobody cares, right? Like (laughs) at the end of the day, at the end of the day, no one is going to change what your heart feels, right? But you might, I want to maybe like just pose some of those questions to you so that you feel less of a pressure to name this greatness right now, right? Mm. It can just be good, right? It Mm. can just be great and perfect and exciting. Um, I'm afraid if you're like, oh my God, it was love at first sight. It was perfect. And you do the stereotypical like queer U-Haul thing, which I do want to unpack next, um, then it's going to be really hard when the real relationship doesn't live up to that. Like the Mm in-person working, you know, Hard to make things work like like, you know, when when shit hits the fan, haha, pun number two, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) you know, um, I think that's another that's why people warn against moving too fast is that we make these decisions in the height of romantic ecstasy that and then we don't have that feeling of like floating of greatness for the rest of the relationship. And it's kind of hard to navigate after that. Again, though, I want to say that like there are no rules, there are no universal truths. This could I could totally be wrong. Like this, your relationship could be perfect for the rest of your life. I mean, that's not going to happen. It's not
1: going to happen. You know, (laughs) just just it's not going to happen. Like, let's just call that out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think
0: you normally like call that out more than I do. Do you feel similarly to me?
1: Yes, I do. I was just letting you letting you do your thing.
0: (laughs) I was like, oh, she's just
1: going to keep going. Okay. Uh, No, I, I I agree with you. And I think that like, I mean, Claire, you call this person perfect twice in your, in your letter. Right. And I can tell you that this person is not perfect because no person is perfect. Um, And for me, I learned in my own definition of love uh, that if I loved the person because I thought they were perfect, then I wasn't loving the whole person. Like that wasn't actually Mm. love. Right. That was just me being really into the fact that they're really into Harry Potter and astrology, right? Um and so I think that's like that's what gives me pause about this is just like love is a big word for someone that you have that you see as perfect, right? Because I think it's really actually difficult to honestly and authentically love a perfect person because love for me is the the ways in which the other person challenges me, the ways mm-hmm. in which I am called to show up in um ways that i that are uncomfortable uh that i have to sometimes put the needs of someone else before my own like that for me is what love feels like mm-hmm. um and it's hard to do that when the person across the, like looking at you on the screen is in your mind perfect you then mm-hmm. you will never be called upon to put your need their needs before you you will never be called upon to be in an uncomfortable situation to correct them to have to have conflict with them because they're just perfect right Um, And so it's for me that it gets hard to say that something like that is love because uh, because I think that it it doesn't allow for that person that you are looking at to be their full selves and to be in conflict with you and still at the end of the day, come back to that feeling of love, which I think is like that for me is what love is when love is most powerful is when Peter and I have conflict. And we still know that like after that conflict, we are going to be together. Right. Like, Like we can have that fight or I can say that snotty thing or we can like really get into some really meaty discussion. And at the end of the day, be like, and we know that once we get through this, we will still be together because our love is more is stronger than these individual conflicts that come up. Yeah. And that for me makes love feel much more than just infatuation or yeah just being super into a perfect person because i have been into of many perfect people and like let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> that did not stand very well once like we that really got funny. into the thick of it so
0: you know that's I'm what i would say here...
1: that was a consideration that i would invite you yeah. to to also take on when you think about what love means for you because if you can get to that definition of love or something similar I think that it makes it easier to walk away from things that, that seem perfect. That really aren't. If that makes sense.
0: I totally agree. And I was sitting here thinking like, what do I feel when I feel like, cause the U-Haul stereotype would make me feel shame. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, I'd be ashamed and embarrassed that I like was so into somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. And Clara, when I imagine the conversation between you and your friend, um, I'm going to challenge you to view it a little differently. Like I, I, my defenses go up when I think of that. So I totally understand why you, you know, answered into insecurity or like, or felt defensive of like, well, what do they know about my relationship? Like they don't know, you know, they're not in my heart. They're not in my head. The reality is when someone in that circumstance, like after a month of FaceTiming someone or, or whatever, what they're saying to you is that is, is something that is unfortunately an undeniable truth. Asterisks: there are no universal truths. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say my statement fully knowing that like, I will never understand the nuances of anyone else's experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to say, what they're saying to you is you none of us not just you not just queer women none of us are capable of fully loving someone that we have only known for a couple weeks through FaceTime right i'm cha- i want to challenge us to, to no longer fear words like crushes or infatuation or adoration or like you know there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with being like oh my god i've been seeing this person for a month and i'm just obsessed with them i think that they're so cute and adorable and and nice and kind and i'm so excited to be with. there's there's nothing wrong with that it doesn't have to be the capital uh r real thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this doesn't have to be forever love. Um, this doesn't have to be soulmates. This doesn't have to be love at first sight. It can just be really good and growing into something really great. And what our friends are saying to us, both you and I, Clara, because Sam called me out for you hauling with Willow when I first met her for sure. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, I'm going to marry her. (laughs) And guess what, Sam? (laughs) It's happening. Um, but you know so when I, when when we feel defensive, it's because our loved ones are hopefully coming from a place of love and respect to say you are saying these things about this person that that don't reflect my understanding of love right and and so when you feel this pushback about your friend, your friend is saying you just don't You just don't know if you love this person. You might feel these feelings of love, but Sam and I are working under this assumption that love is this action, this built thing. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Like I simultaneously want to push back on the idea that love is something that we immediately feel. Like you said, love is not a feeling right. Um, and, and also uplift the crush, uplift the, 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 the honeymoon phase that that time in your relationship in which you're getting to know each other and that everything does feel perfect. Like that time can be so joyful and lovely and exploratory, but it it doesn't have to be the big thing yet. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like that's that reveals itself a little bit later.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that or or and at the end. In- dis-
0: sorry, one more thing disempowering love too. be like, sure. If you love them, great. Then that's your definition of love. Um But just don't expect her to be perfect.
1: Yeah. Like I think saying. that's the big thing is like, you can, you can love her yeah, yeah. all that you want, but also recognize that you are loving a thing that you don't fully know. And like, none of us can actually fully know our partners ever, mm-hmm. but it is much more difficult in the early stages of a relationship. When all you see is the perfect person that they, that they tend mm-hmm. to show. Right. Like Sierra says, you know, they shit their pants, they smell bad, like all of those things (laughs) that complicate love, right? Like they don't make it, they don't make it more difficult to love. They don't make it or that doesn't make people unlovable. It just complicates love. Um, And that's, and so my question for you, I guess, Clara is like, when you discover these things about her, like what word are you going to use to describe it then? Right. Like if Mm. it's, if love is loving a perfect person, then what is smelling their bad breath in the morning? What is your first really big fight? What is they have a damn pig that they have that their mother gave them and that they like put all over the backyard and like move around. And sometimes put in the a front pig? yard where the neighbors can see it. Yeah. He has like a metal pig with like wings on it that his mother
0: oh, gave him. Oh, no, where everybody's thinking about the re- <laughs> a live pig right now. Nobody knew you were talking about that statue until you described that right now.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. It's not a real pig. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> Like what are the words, then what word are you going to use to describe that? Because for me, they're, they're different things. Right. And I, and I think that that using the word love is important to be able to understand sort of what it feels like to be with someone who you have conflict and who is imperfect and still wanting to be with them and loving the perfect persona that people put in front of you who loves Harry Potter and astrology and is like really cute when they get on FaceTime because they did their makeup or, the lighting looks really good or they look really cute when they're asleep, when they're not snoring. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I think it's, I feel conflicted like, um, or I feel like our advice was just very meandering, but I really love the points that we made (laughs) that like, we can't fully know people, even the people that we interact, like separate of the U-Haul conversation, separate of the I love you conversation, like you just don't know this person. You have an idea of who they are and the idea is really nice. And that's mm-hmm. great. Like, Clara, we're happy for you. We want you to pursue this relationship and we want to see where it's going to go. To the love conversation. Love is whatever you define it to be, right? That that it, it can be as big or as little of a thing. Don't let anybody else define it, but know that when the people are questioning you, they probably are trying to tell you something. Lean into the discomfort or like maybe question your own um, defensiveness. Um, Like, why does their opinion legitimize or delegitimize your feelings, (laughs) number one? But number two, like, what are they, what is, what's behind their words? What is behind Mm -hmm. their words is Sam didn't want me to get hurt, right? Sam didn't want me to make a decision based off of a love that hadn't proved itself to me and him yet, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you know, so Clara's relationship that relationship hasn't been proven to the friend. So they're making, they want you to be safe, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and then to the, we got to talk about the U-Haul thing for a second. Um, just that stereotype because I do, I do think it can be detrimental. Um, because it's like, it it makes people second guess their own instincts, you know? Um, like there, there are no rules sort of thing along that lines. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the reason, one of the reasons why it's, it, it comes out is because a lot of times, especially in younger relationships, when queer people get together for the first time, it feels like finally being seen, right? Mm. It feels like finally being to be your authentic self. So that, especially um, some queer relationships, especially early on, they can feel like so intense, maybe more intense than others. I mean, who knows, like the scale of things of people's hearts, you know, you can't really compare them. No. Um, That they move really fast, (laughs) period. (laughs) Like, I think there's truth in it. I I, I guess I don't know what else to say. What do you think about the U-Haul stereotype?
1: Um, I think that it's a... I think that it's like a stereotype, right? So I don't think Mm -hmm. that it is, it is true. And I don't think that all queer women move in immediately together. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would also, I would challenge us to not view it as a negative thing. Right. I think, Mm -hmm. I think that like part of it is like, oh my God, I'm so offended that um, somebody thinks that I'm going to move in with someone just because I'm a queer woman and instead really focus on like. That's a cool thing to do if you want to do it, right? Like mm-hmm. you are an you are an actor with choices and like other people's perceptions of you don't actually matter that much. So if you want to move in with this person immediately, right, you can always extricate yourself from situations, right? Like no relationship will ever be something that you are always in. It makes it more complicated if you move in together really quickly. But if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. So like, I don't like the stereotype of it. And I want to reframe it and say like, let's not let's not make U haul jokes because in a place of derision, right? Like, let's view it as like a positive. Like, it's great that so many queer women find other queer women and are like, I really want to be with you so much that like we want to like move in together immediately. That's not inherently a bad thing. Um, so like, own it, enjoy it. Like, it's so funny, many. Of my, I don't
0: think I would ever anticipate that from you what were you gonna say
1: no i just have so many queer i have so many queer women friends who are like who move very quickly in their relationships yeah. and like love it and own it right and they're like yep yeah. we're moving in together like who knows what's gonna happen in six months yeah. we might break up but like i don't think that there's anything <laughs> inherently <laughs> wrong with it right and i think yeah. that there's um
0: you know what i think I Let think people can use it
1: as like a weapon, but I do think that mm. there's like, there's power in being like, yeah, we're going to move in together because like life is too short to not do this shit. Right.
0: You're, you're so, that's, that's where the beauty is, is that life is too short to second guess things or to, you know, right. whatever. But I was going to say that, again, the, the power of the stereotype is to make people feel ashamed for what they're like, might natural, the progression of things, you know, like the progression of their joy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, that stereotype is true for anybody in that we, Sam and I just want people to be making choices that are healthy and sustainable and joy driven for their hearts. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the problem is with anybody, any gender, any sexuality who move really fast, they 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 often haven't developed the tools to be able to have hard conversations, to get through conversations about money or mm-hmm. or conflict or or the real nitty-gritty shit that comes with love and so it's not about the the u-haul stereotype clara it's that sam and i want you to have a healthy sustainable happy
1: relationship period absolutely and if that means moving in together after the second date cool (laughs) if it works for you it works for you and there's like Mm -hmm. there's literally nothing wrong with that Um, Mm -hmm. and i know plenty of straight people who moved Generally. in together after like two months or whatever so like it's not totally. just inherent with queer women right i also yeah. know a lot of gay men who despite the joke that there's no second date like become boyfriends after like two dates and you're like okay cool
0: <laughs> you guys should see his eyes right now he's
1: yeah right making like I know some that, judgy
0: eyes <laughs> i know
1: that that wonderful hookup after the gay bar was like mind-blowing doesn't mean you're boyfriends though <laughs>
0: Mr. There are no rules. <laughs>
1: just kidding. Oh, that's a joke. Uh, well, th-
0: this conversation is like really meandering, but it's a perfect example of that. Like everybody's version of reality is different and that we can try to make our timelines and our hearts and relationships match other people, but they're just fucking never the same. And Sam and, Sam and I's advice, right? Like we try to give universally applicable advice, but we our experience and our answers are never as nuanced as the actual situation going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So Clara get through this quarantine safe and healthy, and then put your mouth on this other woman's mouth consensually and have fun and enjoy it.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Don't let the haters get you down.
0: We love you. Thanks for writing.
1: Thank you so much. All right. Our last letter comes from I Need Coffee, who is writing (laughs) from a deep pit. Hello, Sam and Sierra. I started listening to your podcast about six months ago and boy, did I need it. I think what I'm learning as I listen to more and more episodes is that you both really don't give advice. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) You give us new perspectives on our relationship with ourselves, of our relationships Uh with others and on our relationships with the idea of a relationship.
0: I like to think of them as mind expanders. I think I said that earlier, but I've Mm -hmm. been thinking about the other day, uh, this a lot, like the, how much a perspective shift can make you feel so enlightened, but you're really just like looking at something from a different angle.
1: (laughs) hundred percent. Yep. All right. I need coffee writes. I'm 35 and have been married to my college sweetheart for almost 10 years. We have two kids together, three years old and five years old. Our relationship and marriage felt so perfect for a really long time. Our daily rhythms, our values, our hopes for the future, our interests and hobbies, our families all meshed so, so perfectly. We even have the exact same attitude towards housework. It felt like we married youngish at 25, and it made so much sense given our long history together and all the ways in which we fit Fast forward to the birth of our eldest child and my spouse had a mental breakdown of some kind. We didn't quite understand what was going on, but a six-month-old, with a six-month-old, I had no energy, and so I sent them to therapy. After two years in therapy, they were getting stronger and we had our second child. And like clockwork, when our baby was six months old, my spouse came to the realization that she was a woman and had to transition. Now it was my turn to collapse a little as I had never seen myself with a woman. I was terrified about how to support her through her transition with two young children. I was trying to rebuild my career. It was a lot. We both went into therapy. We found support groups. She started to transition. And while transition was really hard, we made it through stronger than before. I think, though, I got into a bad habit of hiding my grief from her. I mourned the changes in the body that I loved, but I didn't mm. want to hurt the soul that I still deeply love. So I took my mourning elsewhere and adjusted to all the changes at around the same time that she came out to me as trans. She also came out to me as being into BDSM more specifically Dom sub power play. We believe some of her interest came out of her repressed gender expression. This idea of play scared the bejesus out of me and I still can't pin down why I'm so anxious about it. I think because in my own experience as a woman being in positions of less power have always been scary and traumatic and there's nothing fun about pretending these dynamics, but to Mm -hmm. her being a sub was a way to express her femininity. Even while she was in the closet, she knew how anxious it made me and tried to respect my feelings, but also seems to have needed to explore this part of herself so badly. And my attempts to understand and work with her were moving too slowly So she started playing with people online about a year ago without my knowledge. She told me soon after she started doing it, but said she had to keep doing it. She kind of didn't quite apologize, saying that instead she didn't realize it was crossing a line since it was just a silly virtual thing. She said she needed this outlet since our attempts to work together at her needs being met have been difficult for both of us. I begrudgingly consented to her continuing, even though I really didn't want her to. I told her I didn't like it, but we have two young children. I was exhausted after the transition. I was totally unsure of what I wanted in the bedroom and mostly felt anxiety around it. So rather than face how hard saying no would be, I said, okay, but with some conditions, I asked her to restrict the amount of time she indulged in the play and to keep it about sex. Over the months she did it, She she broke both of these rules. She just kept sliding into it more and more, sometimes in front of me. She fell for one person without me knowing, and then a second person later, and finally, a few months ago, she confessed those feelings to me. Again, no apologies. When she confessed her attachment to the second person, she also asked if we could physically open up our relationship and explore polyamory. She feels a deep yearning to explore her new identity with new people. To fall in love with someone who knows her only as a woman, but she doesn't want to break up with me. She loves me. She loves our family. She won't do it. Now, Sam and Sierra, I am liberal. I have numerous poly friends, but I will, I did genuine believe in fairy tales when I got married. I believed in monogamy and love until I die. I wanted to turtle in with someone and face the world together from a safe, hard shell. I'm wondering if I'm just being naive. Should I really expect monogamy nowadays? I feel both foolish for wanting it, yet still betrayed that she broke the rules. I think most people I've told this to wonder why I've stayed this long. The answer is really simple. She's made me really happy. Like I said, we live the same way. She understands me in a way no one ever has. I love math and do math for a living, and no one knows what I'm talking about except for her. She makes me feel supported, seen, and loved. But she's been really unhappy in life for about four years, sliding into some bad suicidal depression last year right before she started playing with people online. Living with someone I love who doesn't love the life we've built together hurts so, so much. So here's my question. I don't want to break up, but I've pushed my own needs and my own identity aside for so long to support her that I'm exhausted. The thought of trying to change the whole way I think about relationships just sounds so tiring. Managing more than one relationship sounds exhausting and the thought of watching her fall in love with someone else in front of me sounds devastating. That being said, I know her needs and wants are valid and I know I can't give her what she wants. Do I push her out even though I don't want to? Kind of a if you love them, set them free type thing? Do I do I try to do even more work to change what I wanted in a relationship? I'm so scared I'll let her go and then wonder how bad a poly relationship really could have been. Is my fear of the unknown holding me back? I'm just so tired. I don't know how much of my no to polyamory is based more on exhaustion than a real rejection of the idea. There are kids to think about too. We get along so well as a family unit. Every day is smooth and fun. So I continue to put what I thought I wanted, a monogamous relationship with a man, away in a cupboard for the sake of the three other people in my life. Please show me how to love myself through this because right now that's what you are. So both so good at.
0: Mm.
1: All right, coffee. Um, thank you so much for writing. And I just, uh, want to say that both of our hearts go out to you. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think to be in a relationship that you thought was going to be one way and then to have it unexpectedly change, um, is a challenge. Um, and it's, it can, really disorienting to sort of look around and and realize that the the ship that you thought that you had built is something else completely different
0: right and i think i'm very struck right now by how universal this experience is albeit how unique it might seem on the surface right um that so many met- the universality is so many relationships and partnerships enter a union or a relationship believing or wanting it to be one way. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship itself goes through a transition, turns into something that neither partner recognizes or one partner didn't ask for or whatever. And, and having to ne- negotiate that new um, differential, like that, that's the universal thing from me here. And that's why Sam and I feel even capable to speak on your experience is that we're, we're kind of zooming out and, and looking at the, um, the universal truths that we, that we see here. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard thing that I want to say coffee is that your partner may not want to break up with you, but they don't want the relationship you currently have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And their actions are telling us that they're telling you that repeatedly. Right. But we can't uphold other people's boundaries for them. Mm-hmm. Um or in this case we can't uphold um what I feel like you two are doing is playing some sort of Russian roulette where neither of you are willing to say that this relationship has turned into something that is no longer serving the type of life I want to live. Absolutely. And that's a really, really hard and painful thing to say, to admit to each other, to admit to yourself, Um, especially, oh my God, especially when the other partner doesn't want to say it either. Absolutely. Um, because, Because it feels like the, ultimate betrayal, but I need coffee. I need to tell you that that is a great act of kindness, not just to your partner, not just to yourself, but to your family too.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think uh, one of the things that stood out to me most in your letter was the line of living with someone I love who doesn't love the life we've built hurts so, so much. Um, Mm. And I just was so struck by by your understanding of the situation and Mm. in that moment, right. In that, like the last paragraph is, this is just all so many questions of like, what do I do? What should, what should we be doing? Should I be trying harder? Should I not be trying so much? Like, but that one sentence of living with someone I love who doesn't love the life we've built is just like, it is so clear that your pain is so acute that it is so um, focused in on, right. Like, and now is the time that we can say like, yes, so we recognize that that pain exists. And now is the time to figure out how we move in recognition of the the pain that this relationship is causing you. And I want to say to you, like, like Sierra and I sometimes talk about, right? Like the relationship has now changed and has become something that you didn't necessarily agree to when you entered into it. And I think I want to affirm you and say that it is not... Naive, or wrong, or somehow uncool to want to be in a monogamous monogamous, monogamous relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. It is not unhip, uncool, unrealistic to say I want to be with one person and to have that person be just with me. Um, and I think that it that those desires that you're that you're feeling for that type of relationship and your want for that is just as valid as your partners want to have a polyamorous relationship, right? Right. And I think what comes through in the letter is just your constant willingness to be able to see the validity of your partner's desires and needs in this relationship and not be able to see your own needs and desires as equally as valid.
0: Totally. I wrote the note, your needs aren't drastic, right? Mm -hmm. Like your needs aren't harmful or oppressive, um, your needs are your needs, right? And I think about my roomie quote that I always go back to. Um, mm-hmm. and you, when are you going to begin that long journey into yourself? And for your partner's journey, I see them walking down this journey, right this this self development, this journey into themselves, to where you know they finally get to become who who she really is right like this is a beautiful thing that your partner's doing not just transcend transitioning um, to being a woman but you know becoming a more and more authentic version of herself this is a good thing Mm -hmm. but when I see you walking down that path for your own I see you like chiseling out that path to, to align with hers, right? Mm-hmm. Not not forging your own path, right? Not not figuring out what you need and what you want. It's like I I, I see the imagery so clearly that it's almost as though you're you're following behind uh, your partner's journey with like a pickaxe and a lamp lantern, like trying to f- see where you fit um well while not carving out the space in your own journey, right? Mm-hmm. I also want to say that I love and respect the family unit you guys have built. Um, I, it, it's, 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 I think that queer people um, f- families and, you know, regardless of gender or sexuality, families throughout time have always found a way to forge themselves. Right whether by blood or not by blood, by marriage, by not by marriage, you know, by, by four parents, three parents, step parents, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're by no parents, right? Like there are so many different ways to have a family and I can already tell I need coffee that the love that you and your family hold, that's not going to go away. If you start taking care of your needs, right? Mm-hmm. The connection that you and your partner have and the co-parenting that you're doing naturally, the love that you share for your children and for your life, that's not going to go away. If you say, this is not what I'm interested in anymore. If you take care of yourself The world is going to keep turning your relationship, your, uh, your family is going to keep thriving. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a child of a divorced family, I just have to say that your children will be okay. They will be better if you are living your happier, more authentic life. Mm -hmm. I, I, and again, (laughs) this whole fucking episode has been a contradiction, (laughs) (laughs) Because we're like, this is going to be true. And then we're like, there's nothing true and yada, yada. Um, what I, what I mean by that is, in my personal experience, my parents' divorce led me to have a better, truer relationship with both of my parents who are now living happier, more authentic lives because they didn't stay in a marriage that didn't sustain them just for the sake of keeping their family together. Because sure. again, there are so many ways to have a family.
1: Absolutely. And I think you even say it in your letter, right? I know her needs and wants are valid and I know I can't give her what she wants. Right. And there's a couple Mm. things that I want to pull out about that is like, so that seems absolutely true in this, right? It seems like you are not actually the person that can give her what she needs and wants. Right. Uh, Because she wants someone who can be, who is interested in being a dom person with a woman. And that is just not who you are or what you're interested in. But I also want to say, flip that around too, right? Your needs and your wants are valid and she is incapable of giving them to Mm. you as well, right? Your needs and your wants around having a monogamous relationship with the person who is a man, right? Is a hundred percent valid. Like it is, it is absolutely totally wonderfully acceptable for you to want that and desire that for yourself. To be in a relationship with someone who's not seeing other people. To be in a relationship with someone who doesn't expect you to be the dominant person, right? Those are all equally valid needs and wants. And so, but but your partner is no longer capable of giving those things to you. And so I want you to reframe this as it's not that you're not giving enough of yourself. Because I even wrote on this, like, you have given her so much. Where are you? Because right. I'm not seeing you in this in this letter at all. But you... I think it's really hard to say this, but both of you are incapable right now of giving each other what you need in this relationship. And it's not either of your fault, right? It is not either of you being inadequate. It is not either of you being too demanding or not being willing enough to sacrifice, right? Right. It is about just two people who are, who have been in a relationship who are now seeing that their wants and their desires for this relationship are completely incompatible And that's a sad place to be sitting, but I think it's also an empowering place to be sitting because it gives you the tools and, and resources you need to say, I'm not getting what I need from this relationship. I will find a way to continue to support us. I will find a way to continue to support our family, but I need to find another place where I can get the things that I want and need out of a relationship. And I love you and I support you and we'll find ways to continue to do that with you. But we need to we need to not be in relationship anymore or we need to redefine the relationship and say, we are now co-parents and that's it. Or we are now, we are now not speaking anymore and that's it. Right. right, All of those things are equally valid, but I, your, your partner can't have you as a person who wants monogamy and also polyamory, right? Like, It is unreasonable for them to expect both of those things. And I'm just going to call it out. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to say that in a way of like judging or shaming Mm -hmm, your partner, mm -hmm. because I think we all want all of the things, right. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: it's unreasonable for them to ask you to be both of those things at the same time. And I, and I, and I think that you need to recognize that that's unreasonable and that you can't continue to contort yourself to try and fit something that is so completely outside of your capability to fit. Uh, that right. it's unfair that you're being asked to do that.
0: Yeah. And this is not about your partner's transition. Um, so I want to like relieve you of the idea of being a good wife or a good liberal or, a you know, mm-hmm. a good person. Right. Like that you have supported your spouse in her transition the best that you can and you've seen it, acknowledged her for who she is. You've stayed with her, right. You have entered a new relationship with her. Um, So it's not about gender. Mm -hmm. It's not about gender. And it's not even about sexuality because I think honestly, like, and maybe you can chime in if you disagree, Sam, but like if it didn't come to the exploration into, um, types of sex and polyamory that you're not interested in, like you two would still be together figuring out what it meant now to be two women in relationship. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 truly from your letter, I feel that from you and I feel the pressure you felt. Right. Um, and, and how that took you by surprise, but that you were open to staying with this partner. Mm-hmm. Right. But so many other things have changed other than gender. So this isn't about that. Right. This is about the fact that that the type of the needs that you two have in a relationship at the same time, as Sam, Sam says are ill-equipped for each other. They're mm-hmm. not lining up. Um, and I want, and I want to tell you that you and your partner are both doing the best that you can. Mm-hmm. You're doing the best that you can, you can move through to move through this. Um, but you, both of you deserve to live a full and authentic and happy life absolutely. Um, and that all of your, both of your needs are valid and important and you're not going to get them from each other. Mm. At least not from what you have told Sam and I about what you want. Mm-hmm. Like what, where are you? Just what Sam said, where are you? And I'm going to go back to the first thing that I said is that your partner may not want to break up with you, but that's because they don't want to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. That's real. That. Do you feel that way? Because I, I I feel that permeating from this letter that like they might not want to lose what you guys have built in your
1: relationship, but
0: they don't want this relationship. And
1: I think my love coffee, the same is true for you too, right? Like, I think you are both at this impasse where neither of you, where you both know that this relationship is not working for either of you, but you're both mm-hmm. afraid to pull the trigger. And I mm-hmm. will tell you that, um, this relationship is not working as it exists. And I will also tell you that you, you two can still find a way to be in relationship with each other in a way that doesn't require you to contort yourself this much, right? You can still be I'm so
0: glad you said that, right? You
1: can still be, friends you can still be co-parents you can still figure out a way to which v- is its own form of partnership absolutely right? yep like, and I know many people who are co-parents of children who love each other to death and are just like we were horrible in relationship with together like mm, we mm. you know we have found a way to be so like in sync when it comes to parenting we have found a way that works for us in that but like we just we couldn't be together as people and I think that I want to, again, say like there are no rules, right? So like that can be a really authentic, meaningful relationship. And I think, you know, society would tell us that like, oh my God, divorced parents will never, it'll be all custody battles Mm -hmm. and it will be all fights Mm -hmm. and the poor children will be used as pawns. But like you can make, you can make divorced parenting work really well, maybe even better Mm -hmm. than married parenting with like people who hate each other. (laughs) Right.
0: Mm -hmm. I totally agree. So I think, yeah,
1: I think that the relationship has changed so much that it's important to see that it is completely different than the relationship that you entered into and to, to empower yourself to say, okay, it's already changed so much. Let's change it at even more to make it work better for the two of us. Mm -hmm. Let's get rid of the things that aren't working for us and recognize that, You want things that your partner isn't able to give you. Your partner wants things that you aren't able to give her. And that's okay. It is okay to take a step back and say, this isn't right. This isn't working. We can find a new way to move forward. That doesn't involve us constantly hurting ourselves and hurting each other.
0: Right. And you like, she deserves to be happy. Sam and I are rooting for her too.
1: Absolutely.
0: S- I Sam and I want her to to live this full life that she deserves. Absolutely.
1: I want her to explore what it means to be in a polyamorous relationship. I want her to explore what it means to be a submissive in a dom sub submit or relationship too, right. right? I just don't want her to expect you to do that because you don't want to, you don't need to, and it's not what you want right. for yourself, right? And I th- right. And so That is what we're getting at, that both of you are Mm -hmm. so equally valid in the things that you want. And those things are just completely different. And it's okay to say, that's it. We can't, we can't do this anymore, but we can find Mm -hmm. a way forward to be as supportive of each other and of our children as we possibly can.
0: I agree. We love you. I need coffee. You deserve coffee and you
1: (laughs) deserve so much more. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. All right. That brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and hook you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is...
0: Ask a Queer Chick, A Guide to Sex, Love, and Life for Girls Who Dig Girls. It's a book on queer love by a friend of mine nice. um, who writes an advice column. Um, I don't think it's running still. Um, it, it's kind of... It ran for a really long time on Auto Autostraddle, um, but I think... It has since stopped running and kind of popped up here and there. But before when it was I was Prime, um, my friend Lindsay, or uh, like a, somebody I know through the poetry community, Lindsay King Miller, wrote this, put this collection together of similar to our format, like letters um, asking advice, but also like it has. Um, little essays on your first pride or coming out and things like that. And I do want to say that I really love, um, how Lindsay writes. She's really down to earth, friendly, like authentic, compassionate and, and direct all at Mm -hmm. once. And I also want to say that I, I really trust Lindsay to be a intersectional, well-rounded queer person that I think that, her book is great for all queer people, all gender and sexuality identities. Um, and I, I love her writing. I love her as a person. She has an amazing queer family um, with her partner um, in Colorado. And I just want everyone to go buy their book awesome. or her book. It's called Ask a, queer, Ask a Queer Chick, a Guide to Sex, Love and Life for Girls Who Dig Girls.
1: I love it. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at just breakup pod.
0: You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can send your questions about all matters of the heart at just which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our birthday live show happening on Saturday, June 6th at 6 p.m. Central. You can get your tickets on just they're just $5. Get them now. Love it.
1: <laughs> Please leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. And there are other goodies. If you go to higher tiers, that's patreon.com slash just pod. This literally keeps the lights on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice.
0: Original music, recording, editing, producing by our friend Big Cats. Check out his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, your life is full of unlimited abundance and you are always surrounded with infinite wisdom. Tap into it. Trust your instincts. You know what feels right to you. The universe will support you in every positive way when you move forward and make choices to live your authentic, full life. Everything you could possibly need is already waiting for you. And if all else fails,
1: let's break up.